CityCast listeners. Houston is home to one of the fastest growing Black populations in America, and along with Atlanta, led the nation in Black business growth during the pandemic, which helped cultivate what seems like a Black renaissance in the city. Black business influencer Keandre Jordan of My Southern Brands is here to tell us why Houston is being called by some America's best kept Black secret. It's Monday, November 28th. I'm Carly Ann Jones, and this is CityCast Houston. Keandre Jordan, welcome to CityCast Houston. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So in your Moving to Houston series on Instagram, you called Houston America's best kept black secret. Why did you say this? So actually, I saw it online. Okay. And, um, and I would say that it's not a secret anymore. I think that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you think about blackness, you think about um, Atlanta a lot. Mm-hmm. And so now after during COVID and now after COVID, Houston has really shown its blackness and what it could do, especially the fact that it's going through a black renaissance with so many Mm -hmm. black businesses opening up. You have a big following on Instagram. Like almost everyone I know follows you to find new places to eat around town. Like until I started following your page, I didn't realize how many black owned restaurants there were in Houston. Um, What made you start this Instagram page specifically dedicated to Black-owned businesses? I moved down here eight years ago, over eight years ago, and Mm -hmm. I started working at Chevron. I'm an engineer by degree. Went to Alabama A&M University. I graduated summa cum laude in civil engineering. So no student student loans, no any of that. So um, I came down here when when we was paying, she was still paying it now. Um, we was paying like three dollars and fifty cent, um, mm-hmm. for the eighty-seven, um, gas. Yes. <laughs> and so, like, upstream was doing really well. And so, um, like a couple of months after I joined Chevron, the mm-hmm. actual um upstream part tanked. And so, this when you had a lot of layoffs, and Houston was going really, really fast then. And so mm-hmm. uh, I got caught up in the numbers and then I lost five other jobs after that. And mm-hmm. so by the fifth or sixth job, I was like, I got to do something else. I had mm-hmm. to do something, you know, to um, help our people um, mm-hmm. bring money to my single household um, mm-hmm. and also enjoy that something that I do. And um, I decided to just bridge. Wait, it's really no bridge because everybody, when you think about black culture, you automatically think about food. But really yeah. to put that on the pedestal, um, because I know that as an, a, a black male, educated male in corporate America, I did not mm-hmm. have a voice. Mm-hmm. And even um, a lot of my own people, especially black men, did not help me. Yeah. And so I didn't want to feel like that anymore. And so what I wanted to do was give a voice to the voiceless. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, we all, you only hear about the like seven, so six and seven black owned restaurants, but it's like 600 black owned restaurants in Houston on the greater Houston yeah. area, close to 700, maybe over 700 mm-hmm. um, right now because there's so much stuff opening up. But giving a voice to the voiceless so that folks can know that it's more than seven. Uh, and folks mm-hmm. can see the black excellence that Houston actually has. 
you know, like they say, what it is, no child left behind. I'll say no mm-hmm. black person in my book is left behind. We got to look out for each other. Yeah, I agree. And so what was that like? How did you approach starting that and how did you build it up? So actually, believe it or not, um, so I'm, I'm real country, but you know how like they say like when when you lose an arm or something, you kind of gain more you, more strength in another limb. Yeah, because I'm I'm country, I can really write, and so uh-huh. um, at, at a point in time, I really like writing. So I started off as a blogger, um, okay. like typing on the you know blog entries on my website on 2018, mm-hmm. and then. In March 2019, uh, my Insta- my personal Instagram page had like 2,700 followers. And so I just converted that into my Southern brand page that y'all see today. And mm-hmm. um, I can remember just freely posting about Black restaurants that I was going to. Mm-hmm. And it just started to grow. So in March 2019, 2,700. By July, I had 10,000 followers because wow. folks was like, Oh, he only targeting black-owned businesses. Let me follow him. So I found mm-hmm. the niche in the oversaturated market. And yeah. then September, I had 20,000. Then December, I had like 30,000. This is still in 2019. And 2020 mm-hmm. just kept growing, 2021. So mm-hmm. um, now it's 2022, and I'm at, what, 141K. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been going because now I've been implementing different... Um, like I would say videos and concepts to differentiate myself from other people that may, <laughs> you know, yeah. jump the style. So um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, you had those moving to Houston video because I wanted to morph into um, the gateway for Houston's black culture. And so why do you think Houston is drawing so many black people in right now? What is making it become a black hub? I would say, um, so when I moved down here from Alabama, I I didn't want to go to Atlanta. And mm-hmm. so uh, I was like, I still want to stay in the South, but I want to be around a lot of black folks. So when I moved down mm-hmm. here, I saw a lot of black people and it was, of course, chill and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. during COVID, uh, Houston and Atlanta were the only two places that were open, you know what I'm saying, quote unquote open. But in, yeah. and um, like Houston was going popular on the shade room for having parties illegally mm-hmm. during COVID. <laughs> during COVID, and yeah. so then um, folks just started coming down here. Like, okay, I'm I'm a I'm a you know move. And then two uh, different articles have said that um, during the pandemic, the black neighborhoods actually helped Houston to um, gain a lot of startups. And also okay. Houston led the nation along with Atlanta in the amount of black business growth. So uh, COVID really was a blessing for black Houston. And so, mm-hmm. so now um, because you had like an influx and still have an influx of black tourists coming, now mm-hmm. folks started to wake up and say, oh, I can actually open up a restaurant or now mm-hmm. I can open up a black bar. Now, mm-hmm. okay. Shoot, Houston looking good now. I ain't gotta go to Atlanta. I can go to Houston, and and Texas yeah. is a is a place I can do business. You don't have sales tax, so let me open up a, a business. And so, one of the things that you just touched on was that Houston and Atlanta led the nation in black owned business growth. What do you think it is about Houston's economy besides just having a black population that is causing these businesses to flourish? 
I would say that um, from what I've noticed is and read is that Texas is pro-business. And okay. then it's a cheaper place to live. Mm-hmm. Also, you had a lot of black people like in um, in corporate America here. And so mm-hmm. now um, we, we've been part of that. What it is that great uh, resignation that folks say. And where uh-huh. now we are, um, we're, ta- we're tapping into our passions and being able to be a service to others. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's where that is coming from as well. So it's just different layers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just like you said earlier, when I think of a black hub, I think of Atlanta. That's where I go straight to Atlanta. But apparently um, the state of Texas is has the fastest growing black population in the country, which I was surprised to hear. Um, do you think it's possible that the city of Houston will surpass Atlanta and black population soon? Probably not. No. Okay. So, so from an engineering perspective, I, I love math. So, yeah. Metro Atlanta has about 800,000 more black people. And so the thing is, too, black folks not really having babies like we once were. Mm -hmm. So um, I can't um, see it. But, I mean, it's possible that Houston can definitely surpass, like, Washington, D.C. I really think, I think Houston, Metropolitan Houston, okay, there's New York, um... Atlanta, then Chicago, then um, then Washington D.C. So Houston just surpassed Philadelphia and Miami. So Houston okay. may be fifth. And see, that's another stat that I seen on your page that I wanted to touch on is that 27.5% of Blacks in Houston have earned at least a bachelor's degree versus the national the national average of 14%. So do you feel like that's another thing that's bringing younger African-Americans here is just the education or the job opportunities? So, yeah, definitely that um, because Houston is very oil, oil and gas and Mm -hmm. um, now, well, and also the medical industry. Mm -hmm. And the medical industry is about to boom because now they're doing like biomedical um, engineering and biomedical science and stuff like that. So. Black people are definitely moving in for the white collar jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then people don't really understand, like, really think about Houston's history and makeup. Cause, like, even on the East Side, like mm-hmm. on the East Side where you have all the refiners and stuff, that's really mm-hmm. keeping a lot of Houston alive. And mm-hmm. so, people don't go on the East Side like that, like Baytown mm-hmm. and all of that. And so, those jobs don't require a college degree. Mm-hmm. And so you have folks coming from Louisiana, Mexico, getting those jobs. Yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of times those numbers are kind of skewed because um, just because you don't just because you don't have a college degree doesn't mean that you're not smart mm-hmm. or that you ain't making no money. Because as yeah. I know, even even though I went to school on a full scholarship, I do know that there are people who ain't been to school at all and mm-hmm. can run circles around me in intelligence. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, that number don't account for people who are actually smart but don't have a college education. Yeah, and there's a lot of business owners, too, that are making a lot of money that didn't go to college either. They just know how to run a business. So that's very true. And then when we're talking about Black-owned businesses, we're looking at all cultures of Black people, too, right? We're looking at Creole. We're looking at African. We're looking at... um 
Caribbean. There's so many different types of uh, black cultures um, that we're accounting for in this whole situation, right? Okay. <laughs> just yeah. wanted to def- make sure we're defining it. Because, like, I don't know. When I think of black businesses, I just automatically think African-American, you know? Unfortunately, there's just the vision and the culture. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that if you take a stroll down Bissonette, they have, like, the Nigerians have it on lock. Like, mm-hmm. from 59 all the way down to close to, what, Fort Bend County, Michigan area. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their restaurants and businesses are not even on Google. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and then, like, too, um, Houston has the largest Caribbean population on this side of the Mississippi River. So, oh, wow. But then, like, so you can also get a lot of Caribbean people from Florida and New York, mm-hmm. which are the two main hubs for Caribbean people. But now mm-hmm. they're moving. They have the same migration patterns as mm-hmm. Black Americans or, or mm-hmm. Amer- Black people from slaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, you ha- that's you also have a, a, a large Afro-Latino population, Latino population, mm-hmm. too. But um, because Hispanic is an ethnic group, a lot mm-hmm. of them just just say Hispanic and they may not put mm-hmm. black. So I remember I went to the airport, Hobby Airport, and it was a lot of black people working, but they weren't speaking in an African language. They were speaking Spanish and they mm-hmm. said it was from Honduras. Then I met a lot of black um, Colombians, a lot of black people from Panama. Mm-hmm. So we, we see, we're seeing a lot of them as well. Yeah. Afro-Latinos and mm-hmm. Afro-Latinas, yeah. And another thing you mentioned is the whole thing with Bissonette and how, like, um, the African population has that, like, lockdown. I know that in your series you mentioned Almeda Road as a Black Wall Street. Um, what kind of businesses can people find there? And why do you define it as a Black Wall Street? Even though I'm not from Houston, I talk to people mm-hmm. who are from Houston. And the mm-hmm. thing is, they talk to me um, because they know I'm going to put it on my platform. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you can find, like... Uh, you can find fancy dining um, with Davis Tree. You can find Skyline Veterinarian over there by Faces, which is black owned. Mm. Un- unfortunately, you find a mortuary. You know, we almost have okay. to, we all got to go. Um, yeah. You got Turkey Leg Hood. Um, you got mm. a new spot called Quad. You got a, um, across the street from Turkey Leg Hood, it's a big clinic. You got a food truck park. You got a, a, a wine bar. You got mm. vegan um, food, mm. and you got a park called Peggy Park, and then up the street you got a gym off of um, mm. Clayburn and and Alameda. So it's it's things that you can do outside of just going to restaurants. Oh, then you have that. a cigar lounge and and stuff. But um, I think it can definitely be more. We just have to pay. We just have to invest more into ourselves and our communities. Yeah, I love that because I didn't even realize how much stuff is over in that area. Okay, and then the last thing I want to touch on, I saw that uh, you were honored by McDonald's uh, at the Essence Festival this year. What was that experience like? McDonald's had chosen me as a Future 22 game changer. Uh, Because, you know, you can say whatever you want about McDonald's. Um, mm-hmm. McDonald's is actually my favorite fast food restaurant. I just eat mm-hmm. day fries. I had some mm-hmm. last night with yeah. a Sprite that can fry chicken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can get a good Sprite on, on a plane or, or in Mac- mm-hmm. or at McDonald's. So, um, 
They so they have this campaign, Future Twenty Two Game Changers, that they didn't change the name to. I think it's called Change Leaders now, and um, they get young black people who are positively impacting the black community. Okay. And so I was one of the ones to represent Houston, um, but I was I'm a, a black business advocator, and okay. so they flew me out uh, to LA uh, to to shoot. That was uh, um, the, the interviewer, but it was 40 people in front of me, like the, the production crew. And so, you know, they then they flew me out to, um, in May, they flew me out to Philly to go to the Black Enterprise um, Summit. That was pretty wow. cool. Then they flew all of us out, because it's 22 of us. They flew uh-huh. all 22 of us out to New Orleans, to Essence. First time mm-hmm. going to Essence. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Like, they, they had... We had a big old booth that was dedicated to us. Um, Kiki mm. Palmer was the grand marshal. Mm. So it was really cool. And then um, having my actual interview being played at the sold out Janet Jackson concert in front of 80,000 people. So wow. it was very rewarding. Um, and mm-hmm. I felt appreciated. Um, I just felt celebrated that, mm-hmm. you know, I am doing something positive and, mm-hmm. and impactful in the community. Well, Keandre, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for all that you do for the Black community in Houston. And yeah, thank you so much again. All right, thank you all so much. That was Keandre Jordan of My Southern Brands. We'll have a link to his Instagram page in our show notes. Now I'm here with producer A.K. Almoman. A.K., what's going on around the city? Have you been thinking lately that you just got to have some French-Japanese fusion high-end cuisine set in a sky-high theme with the tattooed Zeus to bless your meal? Well, you're in luck. Sale Restaurant is set to open its doors in early December at the 4411 San Felipe Building. Co-owned by Adel Sadiq, who is using his own architectural design firm, Five, to evoke a Saint-Tropez vibe in the 8,000-square-foot space that is meant to evoke a unique celestial aesthetic. Contemporary artist Felipe Chiganti has been tapped to fill the dining room with paintings of bare women. And Mexican artist Cara de Lara infused the aforementioned King of Olympus with modern sleeve tattoos. In the kitchen, the 23-year veteran Joseph Kasapov is SEAL's executive chef. Having toured with some of the biggest names in fine dining like Noma and Aqua in Germany, he is bringing this unique fusion cuisine to Houston just in time for the holidays. So if you're looking for a super duper fancy date night idea, I really cannot think of anything more creative for dinner than seal. That's all for our show today here at CityCast Houston. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Houston. We'll be back tomorrow with more news from around the city. Until then, bye. Okay. So, first of all, let me apologize. I'm, I'm a little stuffy this morning. It's <laughs> fine. I'm, I'm, I'm always stuffy in the morning time, so forgive me. Um, it's, rag, it's rag weed season. <laughs>